live from Ramiro's in Pahrump, Nevada. It's Tech Talk Taco Tuesday um, with, tequila. with tequila. Not I'm I'm full up. We need more. I'm a <laughs> yeah uh, nine eight seven five more something like that. And I'm at 200 and I have a bar stool named after me. So I'm Jimmy Lewis with Dirt Bike Test and we. Uh, I've started this weekly thing where we're going to talk about dirt bikes and dirt bike-related products, um, answer your questions, uh, inform you about new things, uh, bikes we're testing. Uh, you can help guide us in the direction we go with dirt bike tests. This is kind of this is new to us. Podcasting, um, live broadcasting is nothing new uh, anywhere, but it's kind of where things are coming. So we can talk a little bit about that, where we anticipate to go with this whole kind of format and how it's going to grow and stuff like that so luckily tonight is brought to you by climb and climb climb and climb.com climb gear uh is well let me tell you it's been cold here lately i mean really cold and i've been using climb gear since uh i don't even remember the actual date but i'm going to say it's somewhere around 2006 uh, they actually sent a pair of, uh, at the time, prototype pants down to Dirt Rider when I was at Dirt Rider, and they were really good um, for what they were at the time. And I didn't know where these guys came from. They have a strong snow machine, snowmobile background, uh, and they decided they were going to get into the dirt bike off-road apparel market and now look at them. So if you're looking for gear that is good for extreme conditions, weather, stuff like that, especially when you're layering up, look at their technical stuff. Some of the technical undergarments and the layering technology they have, uh, you are not going to go wrong with that stuff. It lasts a long time. It's durable. And when I uh, have to ride in adverse conditions, it's the first stuff I go and grab. So that's the uh, support for Dirt Bike Test, test Taco to, to tech, tech, tech Talk Taco Tuesday. It's uh, four T's. We're hashtagging it, um, Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. But if you want to see it called Taco Tuesday Tech Talk, that's up to you. Um, and then it's still four T's, and I can remember that. Uh, we're going to go over tonight some of the stuff we have to talk about. Um, we have uh, a WR, Yamaha WR450. Uh, we did the introduction actually last Wednesday. Uh, rode in the snow and in the dunes and all over the place. Uh, just this morning, I was riding KTM's uh, 450SX Factory Edition, uh, the 2019.5 version. Uh, I also spun a few laps on the Husky uh, FC 450. I guess it's called the Rockstar Factory Edition, so we can talk about those, although I'm not allowed to compare them. So if for some reason I compare them or contrast them or something, it was a mistake. Uh, we have an upcoming 250 We'll call it a cross-country or FX comparison. So the off-road versions of the motocross bikes. We have a Yamaha YZ250FX, a KTM 250XCF, and a Honda CRF250RX. Um, in, the, in the introduction bumper video, I actually called it a 450, but that was because I was just looking at our 450X, our Honda 450X, which now has become our long-term Honda CRF450X. And that bike will stick around for a while, and we're going to do a few more modifications. We're basically going to turn it back in and return it. Uh, and 
we called and said, yeah, we're going to start pulling the aftermarket stuff off. And they said, why don't you hang on to it? Um, and since the sprockets are worn out and the, the chain buffer pad was worn, it was kind of at this thing where send me some new stuff. I'll put the new stock stuff back on before I turn it back in. Or now we're going to go with some uh, different uh, stuff. TM Design Works, I think, is going to help us out with the uh, chain guide and chain buffer pad stuff. And then we'll see what we're going to do with the uh, sprockets and chains. We'll let you know on uh, probably someplace on social media what we're doing with that. And that is kind of what we are up to over the last week. So um, I'm going to start looking, poking around at questions, seeing where uh, people are at, um, what they're asking about, and we'll kind of run through some things. I've got uh, some stuff to complain about. <laughs> Mostly me. Um, I have uh, some questions that we were emailed, um, some pretty interesting ones that I'm going to run over. And I'm going to talk about uh, one other thing that's kind of interesting going on in our current uh, industry, um, what's kind of changing a lot with uh, just the stuff. And we actually have some guests that came into Ramiro's tonight. Um, I have Spencer. Uh, who's better known as the Gear Dude on Instagram? He's uh, been a friend for a little while. He has, uh, he's he's a KTM 1090 rider. He works a lot with KTM Twins, so he was really interested in some of the stuff we did over the last couple weeks. They are riding. We'll find out where they're riding. Uh, they've got a kind of cool event that they're going to talk about, and so I will get to that a little bit later on on this uh, broadcast. So hopefully, I can start seeing comments and stuff on my feed here so I used to do it with the uh, with the computer things and did I do I have comments turned on that would be an interesting thing to find out because I know there's a button for it someplace here on the on the thing let's see if that's gonna allow me to do this nope yeah technical technical issues I think but I'm not really seeing let me see if I'm seeing comments I think we might be have them turned off let me go back down close that down let's see if I can get on to this one are you able to make con oh, wait we have some stuff going on so let me know if you're able Mitch can you see if they're able to make comments on the Facebook page yeah so, I know there was a button someplace that I was able to push at some point. It just allowed comments to come up. And we'll see. Oh, here we go. There they go. Okay. What kind of tacos? They are the $1 tacos. That's the exact kind of taco that we're having here at Romero's. This is Taco Tuesday. Um, $1 uh, ground beef tacos. Uh, nothing special. They're great food um, especially when you're as hungry as I am after riding motorcycles and driving halfway across the world as far as I'm concerned um, and let's see running down the things how does one sponsor an episode it's super top secret it's hard to do we're not taking that many sponsors because we only want good sponsors um, let's see people are popping in are you doing anything with the mint 400 as far as the motorcycles coming back. No, uh, this is Jesse's asking this. Um, 
I I am not. Well, actually, I kind of uh, might be, kind of am. Uh, so um, I'm not racing. I don't do that anymore. I I uh, just ride around. And what I have is uh, actually some uh, one of my students from my last class is racing it. And uh, my good friend Ricky Brabeck is going to be racing on the JCR bike at the Mint 400. And the cool thing is, is I've been doing a lot of stuff with that Honda 450X, and they have basically what would be the kind of the factory race bike. And I'm going to go out there and ride that bike. I want to ride the full power race bike that Ricky's going to ride. And Johnny said, "Yeah, come on out. We'd love to have you try it." So I'll be doing that. It's kind of in conjunction with the Mint, but. Um, at Dirt Bike Test, we haven't really been doing a whole lot of race coverage. Uh, it's just we're more of a product testing uh, operation, and that's where we're going to kind of stay. That's our focus. Uh, if we had eh, more people that wanted to do that kind of stuff, but in reality, if you want race coverage, you want kind of cycle news. Um, that's going to give you the news afterwards, and you, if you learn how to follow some of these events on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can almost follow them live. So unless you're really, um, and some of, some of the events have incredible live coverage as well. So uh, if you just kind of search it out, that'll usually help you follow those events. So uh, not a lot of race coverage. Uh, and then Victor says tequila. Victor, tequila. <laughs> but actually for me, no tequila because um, they don't have any new ones for me yet. So, I mean, you never know. Maybe at the end of the episode, I might be, you know, diving back into my old favorites and stuff. So, um, we've got a few things. Uh, thanks, Chris, for letting us know that um, the comments are working. That's good. I There was a button someplace I remember I turned on or off at one point or another. And uh, that can kind of affect things. Uh, we have, we're getting better. Uh, luckily, we had uh, one of Spencer's friends, your name was again... Robbie. Yeah, Robbie's my new friend who loaned us his unlimited data plan on his phone to connect the internet. So hopefully we don't drop tonight. Uh, they have been having some issues. Uh, we got to go. We got to put the internet through a brick wall here, and we're working on that. So um, internet. It's a. It's a. And everybody says, why do you make it plural? Because it's not just one tube. It's a lot of tubes that go every place, and there's a lot of informations flowing around in the internet so if you're confused about that i'm pretty sure you can do some researching on the internet uh that that was good is the is the table moving oh the camera because the camera's doing the adjustment i think there's a setting for that somebody said it's better than last time yep so uh actually san felipe probably shouldn't be watching this while he's driving home from work that's yeah yeah uh just just hit record or something like that or you can watch it and here's the interesting thing a lot of people don't like to look at my ugly face that long for like an hour when we do this so here's here's what i suggest so you can either just take it turn your volume up and stick it in your pocket okay on your phone or your mobile device or just same thing you're working on your in your shop just set it up in the corner turn the volume listen to it when you hear something that you want to talk about or you have a question then just type it in the comments and then you can just you turn it away so you don't necessarily have to look that might help um your situation more than mine because i don't like looking at myself either as much as you might think that i do um okay let's see 
no glitching. Yeah, so we're, we're better. No feed dropping. Camera's fine. See, there we go. Sean Smith. Camera's fine. I'm just listening while I, while I work on bikes. That's what I would probably do. In fact, um, a lot of the podcasts I listen to, I listen to when I'm driving and or when I'm working on bikes, something in the shop. It's just kind of, it's, you know, background noise a lot of times. And then I get pissed off and I start yelling at my phone when I hear something I don't like. So cheers to that. Uh, so let's roll right into it. Uh, last week we tested Yamaha's new WR450F. Um, so this is Yamaha's. Um, it's actually not a green sticker bike, believe it or not, because the regulations are changing a little bit. And the way Yamaha, um, it's a self-policed kind of standard. And at some point, and I'd have to really kind of check in on the people that know, there was an evaporative standard or a charcoal kind of canister standard, or basically the, the test was for a California green sticker, if the bike like literally flipped upside down, no fuel could leak out of the bike, or if it did, it had to be caught and contained. The Honda, um, the Hondas, and that's that's been on the street side, that's been kind of common, but off-road, that's a new standard. The Honda X has that. Like if it flips over, and the older KTMs used to do it as well, they catch everything and contain it, uh, the KTM EXCs, because it's a street standard. So for dirt, that was new, and then something changed, and that wasn't required. And Yamaha um, wasn't going to be able to have that system on the bike, so they were going to make them red sticker bikes. So uh, the one we had was, was not a green sticker bike. It technically was a red sticker bike. It had a red sticker on it when we had it, even though we were testing it in Nevada. And the other thing we did is so we all know when that thing runs, Yamaha WRs come with a throttle stop and a few other things that make it very, very quiet and, and um, make it pass the federal sound standard for off-road stuff. So when what we did is we converted it into technically an off-road competition vehicle. And by doing that, we took the throttle stop out and replaced it with a YZ throttle stop um, so that you get full throttle activation. Inside of the airbox, there is a boot. Um, it's a snorkel that goes down into the air intake track that, that basically it's for sound. It's just so sound can't escape that airbox. So we got rid of that. And then the inside of the muffler, there is a very, very small um, kind of pea shooter insert that's in there that you can tear the, tear the muffler open and remove that guy. And it opens it up to a still, still a small opening, but the bike is still quiet. Um, and then, but now you're getting full performance, um, kind of full uh, I don't even know what the proper word to use is, but it's full performance in a very quiet, um, still form. Uh, the the noisiest thing on that thing is actually the air intake coming out of the underneath the gas tank. Um, so that thing puts out, shoots out some uh, some sound waves at you. And since the muffler is so quiet, you actually notice it quite a bit more. It's no more than the motocross bike, but so that's how we tested the bike in in. In reality, apples to apples, it's very similar to a stock Honda 450X. That's the the kind of the, the way that Yamaha feels when you run it at the way I just described. And that's how we rode it for 99% of the tests. 
and we wanted to know, you know, because that's how most people, especially people that are engaged and understand how they want their bike to run, that's probably how they will set it up. And if you're going to do any sort of competition, like maybe ride a national enduro or a Grand Prix, that's how you want to have your WR set up, at least to start with. And from that, we did not do any further modifications because we only had the bike for one day. So uh, you can read the first impression up on dirtbiketest.com where we kind of go into a little bit more detail and explain stuff. But overall, man, I was really impressed with the bike. So I'll go over a little bit about um, WR history. Uh, when they were when they were carbureted, it was the same thing. You had to remove throttle stops and do um, some some of the same stuff. In fact, all of the same stuff. And there was this old time when you clipped. I don't know if it was a red wire or a gray wire. There was always something that you clipped to get a different. You don't have to clip anything. And actually, the ECU is completely locked, and you can't do anything with it. So um, we rode it. Uh, let's see. So. Then there was that, I'm trying to think, it was probably not the last, ver the previous version of this, there was the one before that was the first fuel-injected one that was in the older chassis with the conventional motor. In other words, the carburetor was on the back of the motor and the exhaust went out the front. Uh, I never liked that bike. That bike, it was just very confused. It was their first time with fuel injection on the WR and kind of hard to... It just never seemed like even when you did the stuff we just talked about, it never really ran that good. There was It really hesitated across the mid-throttle and did some funny stuff. And then the last version was the kind of the new configuration where Yamaha has put the, you know, the intake on the front of the cylinder up high, the airbox up top, and then the exhaust does the loop around the uh, backside of them. It does a circle around the motor and then out the back. And... That WR was a big change from the one previous, maybe because the one previous wasn't really that good. So it was a huge change. But the 2019 bike is pretty amazing um, in what it's done. I think we talk about it in the test. It's like they've changed the YZ, you know, and the fact that they need the bigger ignition and stuff to now run all the fuel injection stuff. They've taken the electric starter off or the Kickstarter off on the YZ, and now it has only electric starter. And net-net, not only has the YZ become more like the WR, the WR is more like the YZ. And it's they've finally started to really gel, where it's more like, if you look at KTM, the KTM from the SX all the way to the EXC are pretty much the same bike. I mean, they do all the stuff that they have to do to make them compliant, but you're dealing with a lot of the same stuff. Well, actually, I take that back because KTM is PDS on the EXC, but you start looking at the engines, the engine configuration, the architecture, the chassis for the most part, with the exception of the PDS. It's a competition bike that they've morphed into being an off-road or a dual-sport bike. And Yamaha has really taken YZ and WR and, and put them quite a bit closer together. Uh, if you are a Yamaha guy, a WR rider, uh, I'm going to just tell you one thing. If you have an older one, don't ride the new one. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to want it. It's, it's really that good. All of the stuff we praise about on the YZ um, really applies to the WR. And the changes from the last version to this one, 
um, and we had an 18 to ride back to back. The new bike feels, I, I'm trying to remember, we said 10, 15, 5, 10, 15 pounds lighter, depending on how you ride it. It, it definitely feels lighter. It feels more agile, a little more peppy on its feet. And then the engine uh, is just, everything about it just a little bit more responsive and a lot more active and agile. So quite, I was pretty surprised. I didn't expect that much. And this is with a stock, you know, still with the stock ECU. And hopefully we're going to get, I'm pretty sure we'll be able to get a test bike back. And then I'm pretty sure that they're going to have a competition ECU available. And then that's going to allow us to open up the app on the phone, the same one you use with your YZ, and tune that thing. And then that bike, is it becomes infinitely adjustable as far as I'm concerned. It's one of the best uh, features that comes free or stock on any bike is that tuning app and we love it on the yz and there's no reason we love it on the fx the new 450 fx there's no reason why it isn't going to be that that powerful and popular on the wr as well which really takes it to kind of a whole new level so that's the the basics on the the wr as you can tell we're really happy with it um as we get if we get when we get the um the test bike here um, we'll start doing cons some comparisons with the honda 450x uh and i think net net between the the way we rode the wr and the stock x they were very similar and really um uh seem like they're kind of the same they're the same things and we'll get into that a little bit more later i'm sure there's some questions about it so i will run through my questions um, and let's see here. Let's see. No drops in video. Yeah, that's good. Um, camera's fine. Let's see. Uh, uh Joe. Yeah, here we go. Very nice. Seat is too tall. Tank is too still, still too small. And air filter setup is lame. Your thoughts. Uh, on which bike? <laughs> the Yamaha? Um, actually, no. It's actually the seat height on that bike is a little bit lower. Uh, the tank is till, still too small. It's um, 0.56 gallons more than the YZ, and it's pretty fuel efficient. We were able to get 65 miles. Uh, uh, we talked about the kind of the mileage in the test specifically. Um on a ride that we are being pretty aggressive on. So it kind of depends on what your range is. Yes, for sure, I want something that goes like 80 miles. That's that's my thing because we have a lot of times not that much gas stations or availability of gas. And, and so for like racing kind of conditions, keeping the bike small, that's why they're doing that. They have extended that gas tank down farther um, back where the air box would be. They've made the fuel pump smaller so they have more capacity. Um, so it depends on your needs. Uh, and it's a real, it's kind of a regional thing. I, I talked to him about this, like how come the gas tank isn't bigger? And so many people are concerned with the width and that bike is narrower than the old one. Uh, and they don't want anything sticking out. But there's companies like IMS, for instance, that will make a new larger capacity tank for that thing. and. Um, so you can kind of get the range. Probably a little bit harder than, you know, sliding a five-gallon tank on top of a KTM with a simple single bolt. Uh, but 
it kind of depends on what you're really using the bike for. So, and then uh, filter setup is lame. Not really. Uh, I would say it's, it could be, is it the best? Yeah, second best. I, I would say on the filters, I think KTM has the filter nailed. Um, you know, they just pop the airbox off and then there's a pin clip thing. So no tools getting in. Yamaha is also no tools. The filter is tiny. Um, it's a small filter. It right, it's up higher where it's drawing the air from, so it doesn't get dirty as quick. But uh, I wouldn't call that filter setup lame. The one thing that we did notice, like I was talking about, is the audible airbox noise. That thing shoots noise right up at your face, kind of like my Husaberg does. And if anybody knows me, I like my Husaberg. Um, but it lets you know you're open to the throttle. So. Um, but it, it does bother some riders, especially on the 250Fs. I know some of our test riders have been complaining about that, and we haven't had riders complain about noise almost ever. So um, those are my thoughts. Um, Tarek, uh, so hopefully that helped you out. Let's see. One of the Huskies that had the terrible Ducati Andrew, what? Um, I don't remember which, <laughs> what that comment is going to. I uh, hate to make you pick, but so far, Honda or Yamaha. So this is a question from Barry. Uh, that's a good question. Um, what would I pick, Honda or Yamaha? Uh, I'm, at, I'm, I'm really thinking about that. I'm not, I'm not even worried about it in a, like, in a political sense. or, uh, You know, I, I'm... I'm actually starting to lean towards the Yamaha, and you'll know from what I talk, how I talk about the motocross bike. I really like the YZ450, and I think for me, the Yamaha would be more versatile with the exception of the gas tank, which somebody called out earlier, um, but I'm sure I could fix it. It sort of depends on what I was going to do with it. Out here in the West, man, that Honda is good in, in, in Baja kind of stuff, and in, in you know, I rode it like I was talking about last time, I rode it on the King of the Hammers trophy truck, um, T1, sorry, T1, trophy T1 course. Um, I, I pre-ran it and swept it. And, man, that bike works so good there. And then you can get the larger capacity stuff. But the one of the biggest differences with the Yamaha, with the WR, is the fact that it has, it has a five-speed gearbox, but first gear is really low. And it's, this, it's really low that you can let the clutch out. And it's actually a lower first gear than the Honda. So when you're really doing technical stuff, and somehow I always get myself into technical stuff, that YZ or WR or FX, I'm sorry, WR and FX, because it's the same gearbox, that first gear is really good. And for a five-speed gearbox, Yamaha has it nailed. Would I like to see a six-speed? No doubt, because then you're going to get more spread. And then you have in a lot of instances, two gears for every situation. But first is definitely slow enough. Fifth is plenty fast. Um, and, and I think, like I said, I think the spread is probably pretty equal to the Honda. And until we get them back to back in a very similar configuration, I can't really comment on like which one's faster and roll-ons and all that kind of stuff. So um, stock to stock, they feel about equal. So hopefully that answers the question. And uh, I, I see Jay fully likes my shirt. That's, yeah, good good job, Jay. Um, let's see. No comparison since you 
can't just a question Husky or KTM? Uh, which Husky and KTM? You got to be a little more specific because, um, but generally, so generally, this is like when I start talking about, because you know, I only like, well, tonight it's Yamahas. I only like Yamahas. And last week I got accused of only liking Hondas. And then people say, all you do is ride KTMs. But between KTMs and Huskies, I generally prefer, guess it, which one? The KTMs. Because I like PDS. I'm, I'm one of two people in the world, that allegedly, that like uh, PDS. So um, that's why in, we're talking enduro bikes right now. Uh, let's see. Ducati Ignition on the Italian two-strokes. Yes. Um, that was a long time ago. Um, I have Eric, no, Ed. Ed says, I have about $7,000 for two bikes, one dual sport and one Grand Prix bike. I was looking at, uh, let's see, a 2006, boy. The KDX 200 is a great bike uh, for a trail bike. Um, I used to race those. I used to get in trouble for racing those when I had a, I was a team green rider, and they got mad when I'd race the KDX, and you know I rode it? Six-speed gearbox in the desert. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, let's see, a dual sport bike. I, I'm not sure about the parts supply on the older Huskies, the ones that were the Italian-built ones. Um, that would be a little bit of a concern to me because I know there was some issues with some of that stuff. But overall, um, not too... Not too bad of a bike. It's just whether the parts are available. I would look at I would look at a KTM. I would look at an older an older KTM dual sport bike. You can find lots of those, and the parts are easy to get. Plus, the bikes are indestructible, so tons of aftermarket for them too. Uh, cheap. So, yeah. And then and Chris just answered the question for you there. So the new Honda 450X, the air cleaner is under the seat. Yes, which means the seat needs to come off. Correct. So Mark, you're correct and. That would be my third favorite airbox out of those three. KTM first, Yamaha second, the Honda is third. You have to take the seat off. It's still, a, and then you, if it's stock, you have to take the little airbox cover off, and then you have to unscrew the uh, wing nut. And the, the filter is a tight fit to get in there. And if you drag it up, dirt can fall into the internal part of the airbox, and you have to wipe it out. Luckily, it's easy to get that dirt out. So hopefully that um, answers your question, but not as easy as the other ones. Let's see. Uh, factory, 19.5. So Chris is answering his questions. Uh, oh, we're going to... Okay, I will get to the factory edition bikes for sure. Uh, <laughs> John Perkins. John, uh, where's John? No, John Perkins. Big John. He's asking me questions on the through the internets, and he's he's not my special guest that was going to come and talk about the 450X since he has almost as much time on it as I do. Yep, uh, John, we're not answering your questions. Would it be advisable on both the 450? You already bought a 450R. We're working on it. We're getting your 450R tuned up so it's almost as good as the X that I ride. <laughs> um, does the CRF450X share the same frame as the CRF450L? Yes, it's identical. Um, the frames on those two bikes are identical. Basically, when Honda decided to build those, they were going to be based off the same bike, and so they 
made sure that all that stuff, I mean, that's the only way that they economically they can make those bikes work is to have a lot of parts and stuff that are shared between them. But they are quite a bit different when you start really looking at some of the close, uh, a lot of parts, big parts are the same, but there's a lot of little details that they um, kind of tuned up to make that X an off-road bike and the L a street bike. Um, let's see, what's more reliable, the Yamaha or the KTM? There's more to that question. I have to push a button to see more. Which requires more maintenance, Yamaha or KTM? Uh, they are the same. And in my world, if, if you're asking me about durability, uh, my experience is that Yamahas, Hondas, and KTMs are all pretty much the same. And those brands seem to be a step above uh, everything else. Betas, in my experience, have been very, very good and reliable, almost to the point where they're overbuilt, but there's always something that's a little bit, you know, it's it's nothing major. It's like little fasteners or just some of the plastic, and there's little things on, on that that you don't find on a Honda, a Yamaha, or a KTM. And then uh, my overall experience with Kawasaki's and Suzuki's has been They've, they've been getting better. In fact, I, I distinctly remember when Kawasaki bumped the bolt sizes up for some of the high wear things, and they did a good job. And these companies are all real concerned with this stuff. But I remember when, but with my experience with the Kawasaki's and the Suzuki's has been that it's just random stuff that breaks after, you know, after the bikes get worn out. And here's the one caveat when we start talking about durability. I don't care... It, who you are if you are someone that's hard on equipment hard on vehicles you don't do your maintenance and we're just talking about bait and basic maintenance or you just do stupid stuff over rev bikes do downshifts when you're not supposed to um just general stuff it doesn't matter which brand you're on you're going to break it and and when people start running to the internets to find out how durable something is i guarantee you if somebody breaks something and usually they're not very knowledgeable about it they run to they typically run to the internets to go explain to everybody what happened and then 20 people share that story and all of a sudden you're looking at uh something that's kind of way over inflated i own over 40 motorcycles um i have a bunch of my bikes are rentals they're they're basically they started about year 2000 and then they're up to you know current bikes um, I make sure I keep the air filters clean. We change the oil on a regular basis. Um, they're used as rentals in my schools. We do drills where we run the bikes up to the rev limiter on purpose. And we don't have problems with these bikes. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with maintenance, number one, and then just having a kind of a clear understanding of, you know, what to expect uh, when, you know, when you're seeing stuff. You know, when you're the guy that's using an impact driver and just ramming bolts into it and not, you know, not changing the transmission fluid or the oil or whatever it is, uh, that's where problems occur. So at that point, when, when, you're, when you're kind of a knucklehead, you can't ask a durability question because it's just excessive stuff. And when you know that guy, you know, you see the stuff that he breaks and you just go, how do you do that? That's uh, kind, of, kind of what happens. So... I just lost my drop here, so it's time for a suds. Mm. Ah. 
so I'm trying to get my comments back up so I can start answering questions. Here we go. I think I got it. Me and technology. I can I can keep my bikes maintained, but I can't do technology. Uh, let's see. So, let's see. I'm glad I bought the KTM 500 EXCF and have a carb 450X and 2XR 650s. Yeah, those are all really good bikes. Um, doesn't KTM write their maintenance intervals based on racing, not just average guy riding? Most maintenance intervals are written by from what I can tell lawyers so <laughs> they want to have some sort of fallback to say because basically what you've asked for you as a customer has asked for I've asked for this competition race go fast lightweight bike and the manufacturer is trying to deliver it to you but at the same time they need to make sure they cover their ass and say that you need to work on this thing like on a 450 it's pretty common to be able to get like a regular guy to easily get well over 100 hours on the top end. You know, 250s, 50 hours a lot of times. Um, and then, you know, it just, it, you ha it, it, some people develop an ear for it and some people can't hear it when stuff starts wearing out or going wrong. So um, I think, uh, I think, you know, a lot of times the maintenance intervals, like you have people just sit there and look at specs and facts and figures and they run to the internet to comment on it. I mean, I put way more than the suggested interval on the valves on my Honda 450X currently, and we checked it, which is a bitch to check the uh, intake valves. You need a really special um, feeler gauge, but they were, they were fine. They're perfect. And then I don't feel the need to go check them again until that bike starts doing something funny, like getting hard to start. We will check them probably more than we should, just because that's what we do when we test bikes, when we have them for a long term. Just so if something starts moving, we know about it before it starts happening. So um, I have KTM 500s with 300 hours on them, some with 500 hours on them, and I've never had to adjust a valve on one of those bikes. So, you know, and then you hear people say, oh, those things are junk. Uh, uh, you might have over-revved it a few times. So uh, let's see, running back to the questions here. On the CR450L lowering link, does that change the handling? Yes, absolutely, with 100%, it changes the handling. Anytime you lower a bike, you make them longer, and they get lower, they get slower handling, they get heavier feeling. Um, the link changes the leverage ratio on the shock, so that actually starts acting different. Sometimes they get way more progressive. Um, uh, sometimes they, the, they get flatter, depending on the, the configuration. Uh, I've never been a big fan of lowering using linkages. I've, if I was going to lower a bike and I was going to, this is going to be my bike, I would lower it internally by shortening the shock and then making sure you get a proper spring rate onto the bike. Uh, fork and shocks, uh, uh, fork and shock, same thing. So uh, lowering links are simple, they're easy to do, but they change stuff and a lot of times then you have the wheel running up into the fender and different stuff starts happening. Uh, so I always say you don't ride with your feet on the ground. So why is everybody so worried about especially getting two feet on the ground? You got to learn how to take your butt off the side of the seat and put one foot on the ground and then the lower height of the seat isn't that big of a deal. The good thing about um, the, the lowering link as opposed to cutting a seat is you don't lose that seat to foot peg height, which uh, does change 
a lot of stuff. Let's see. Let's see. Replace clutch cables every 25 hours. Uh, I don't know why you need to do that. Maybe it depends on where you're at. Um, they make lube for those things. That's okay. Uh, scrolling through here. Any other questions? My valves are fine. Usually the keepers and springs get smashed to hell. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we're going to roll on to the bike I rode, the bikes I rode today. Um, we should have uh, some stuff up on Dirt Bike Test as soon as we can get it there. I know uh, Scott Hoffman is out working on a video. He shot mostly of the Husky um, FC450 Factory Edition today. I spent the majority of my time on the KTM uh, Edition. And here's, oh, here, I'm just going to complain. <laughs> so. We were out at Paula today, and I think Tuesday is factory rider. I want to be a factory rider practice day, or I'm an amateur going to go pro practice day. So these guys are out there hauling ass. And so I'm on Marvin Muskan's bike. It has number 25. I have brand new Alpine Stars gear. I mean, I look fresh and fast when I'm standing next to the bike on the side of the track, and I came out of a... KTM truck with nice banners and stuff, so you expect something, but I'm getting old and I don't ride moto as much as I used to, and uh, you know what it's like riding around when everybody's like looking at you, expecting you to ride like Marvin Muskan? Not happening. <laughs> so, and those those kids are going so stinking fast that <clears throat> a lot of times like, you don't even hear them coming, that's how fast they're going. So I liked, I don't mind the ruts. It was really good track as far as ruts went. If you like practicing ruts, that and they're gonna have a national there, so I imagine it'll get ruddy and with the recent rains, that's okay. But I wanna go around the ruts at my speed, not like I'm trying to qualify for a national uh, speed. So that was uh, gnarly and sketchy. Luckily, only a couple guys yelled at me and I didn't bump into any, or I mean, have anybody bump into me, uh, vice versa. So pretty, pretty crazy, but um, Man, uh, it's uh, there's there's a little bit of pressure there uh, to, <laughs> to ride around on the on the on the big boy track because that's really that's the one that gets that gets rough. That's the one you can kind of test the bike on, um, and that's what is kind of expected. And luckily, we do have faster test riders that go out and take that bike and kind of push it to the level. But in reality, when you start thinking about who buys a KTM Factory Edition 450, it's someone like me. It's like, I want to have that bike that's that has all the cool stuff on it. And uh, so how does it work? Uh, pretty good. Um, it's, it's one of those things where compared to the stock one, so compared to the stock 2019, it has some cool stuff. Uh, you've got probably the biggest change is the triple clamps, which are adjustable between 20 and 22, kind of like old KTMs. They're really, um, they're gold blingy. Uh, it has a, a triple uh, a triple cross, what do they call it, where the front wheel is laced up a little bit differently. Um, so the spoke lacing is a little bit different on DID rims. They have their own unique hubs now which are kind of kind of cool. It has a floating front disc rotor. I don't think that's stock. And inside of the engine, they changed the piston manufacturer. They changed the finger, finger followers on the, on the cams. They put a coating on them. And other than that, uh, there's one other. Oh, and the, the Conrod had some uh, changes for durability. And they 
I think there's a bushing on the small end of the on the Conrod now. So what was funny is I spent some time on this bike a few weeks back, and then a lot of time on the bike during our the 2019 uh, during our 450 comparison, and it's actually changed uh, quite a bit. It felt like more than just those engine changes would lead on to. Um, I've heard some people comment that they think the ECU is different. KTM says the ECU is exactly the same. Uh, but for me, I've, I've kind of struggled with that bike. And today the track was too soft to really feel about the bump compliance is, was where I had an issue with the older one. And it was like I could get small bump compliance, but then I have bottoming issues or I could set the bike up to, so it avoided bottoming and then I would have small bump compliance issues. So I couldn't tell the small bumps today because the track was, it was like I said, dirt was really soft and stuff, but it feels like they've improved it. Like the first thing we went out and I rode it and I said, oh, it needs a little bit more air pressure because it was feeling a little bit harsh, but by putting more air pressure in, raised the front end a little bit, everything got a lot better. And then all of a sudden it was kind of up to me to actually go out and ride it. And um, handling wise, that bike feels so light for a 450. And that's the big change that's happened in the last few years is KTM, has really worked on the the, the mass, um, lightening up the the spinning stuff, lightening everything really. So it's a lot more flickable, a lot more agile. Um, and that's where, I'm not gonna compare it to the Husky, but that's the difference between the KTM and the Husky for me is the Husky feels like it's a little more planted to the ground and the KTM feels a little bit more light and agile. But uh, here's here's where I struggle with that bike. So on ignition, it has a two, two stage, to, to, Four, actually four position ignition. So you have traction control and you have map one and two. Traction control kind of on the motocross bikes, I never really use it because when I want to spin the bike up, I want it to spin up and I'm doing it on purpose. Um, so I don't ever use traction control because it feels like it kind of kills the bike when I need it. But between map one and two, map one kind of has kind of a hard hit and it gets snappy and then it goes a little bit flat. I mean, really a 450 going flat. But it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't rev as free and pull as free up on top. I think it's, it's, it's kind of in the mid, it goes a little bit soft and then it comes back alive on the top. But map two is really good on the bottom, but that dip in the middle and then the surge again on the top is almost too much where I can't just roll the throttle and whack the throttle wide open because it, it, it's really good on the bottom. I can pull a gear high and then it kind of falls flat and then it pulls so hard on top it actually starts lofting the front wheel and it's frankly it's hard to control it's like yeah did, you know control the throttle a little bit more jimmy <laughs> you know use the but i like to turn it wide open and then let it pull smoothly so there's a little bit too much i'll call it engine character in there um so it's it's good on map two is great on the bottom map one is a little bit too much both maps are a little bit soft in the middle and then the first map, map one is good on top for me because it wasn't lifting the front wheel, but map two, it kind of picks up and surges again. So I'd want the bottom of map one and maybe the mid of map one or maybe a little bit more and then, and then no, the bottom of map two, mid of map one and then the top of map one. So there's where, if it had the tuner that the Yamaha has, here I go, right? If it had the tuner that the Yamaha has, I'd go in there and go like that and send it to the ECU and I'd be done. I have a perfect bike. And that's how much, especially on 450s, that engine character makes a big difference in how the bike handles and everything else. Although the handling was really good, I don't have any problems with it. I didn't have any problems with the suspension. I was just struggling a little bit today with 
with the motor. And then the Husky, if we go back to the Husky, the Husky is a very similar, everything I just said applies to the Husky, except the Husky has a different clutch um, slave cylinder. And so the, the, the activation of the clutch, I almost, I, I think I prefer it. It's a little quicker, a little bit more um, with the Magura setup on the Husky. I think it's a little bit more um, uh, snappy. So it works pretty good. The on the other thing on the Husky is it has Pro Taper bars. Those were stiffer and transmitted more bumps to my hands. I didn't like that aspect. The Husky had an FMF muffler on it compared to the Acro on the KTM. I preferred the sound of the Acro. Um, the KTM or the Husky felt like it was a little more snappy, a little more poppy, maybe a little bit more torquey with the FMF. And then the subframe is different, so there's a little bit of a different feel there husky feels a little heavier a little more planted it looks a little bit different off the front when the radiator shrouds so that's my take on those we'll write that stuff up if you need more info and i'm going to go back to questions um back down here and we're getting close to our what our cutoff time usually is and i'm going to try to get my buddy spencer over here they've ridden in here they're out riding around let's see where we're at with questions um let's see um here we go uh for is it, there's 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 internal chatting going on that's great uh saying hi to each other uh want to ride big bikes to sonora rally uh no i don't i don't think so i'm i don't go to mexico that much anymore do you use gasoline to wash air filters and rinse them off after um you know, I still use this stuff called Rock Oil Water Washable Air Filter Oil. SW, Synthetic Water Washable Air Filter Oil. So I use water to wash my air filters. Check into it. Actually, we did something in Dirt, Bike, Dirt Rider Magazine way back when. We did an air filter comparison, and that was our, um, our solution to that. Uh, let's see. I need to check dates, all this other stuff. Okay. So I've run through the questions. Spencer. Come on over, throw on it. Don't spill my beer. Throw on it. Throw on a headset. I turn on your microphone. Hopefully the camera will pick you up there. Slide in here. Get comfortable. Get cozy. Let's see. I think we're good. There we go. Okay, this is Spencer. This is the at the gear dude on the Instagrams. On the Instagrams, yeah. Yeah, and so I know Spencer through our uh, KTM. You hear me okay? How's yeah, your yeah, levels? Yeah. You're good? Yeah. Um, I know Spencer from uh, some of our interactions on KTM Twins. Uh, he helps KTM Twins out with their um, marketing stuff, correct? Correct. Uh, build some project bikes, shoot some really nice photos. They came out and rode with me last year. Uh, and we did a little feature for Upshift Online magazine and a few other things. Um, he's put out some kind of cool videos. And he is here because what exactly are you doing? And go ahead and talk really close into the mic. Uh, I'm basically just riding for funsies uh, with a friend. Uh, we originally were going to ship our bikes into Vegas and then get them out to Green River for the Dirt Circus event we're yep. doing next uh, month. But then all the snow came, so we were like, Death Valley is probably a lot warmer, so we just decided to go to Death Valley. Got it. And so Nevada BDR out? Yeah, we came up some on the Nevada BDR. We're going to touch on the California BDR. 
um, and then do a route that uh, I did for ADV Pulse through Death Valley. Cool. So when we talk about BDR, for those not familiar, that's Backcountry Discovery Route. And uh, just Google search that, and there's routes in Idaho, Colorado, New Mexico, California, Southern California now. That's the new one. Uh, we have one right that comes right through here, Pahrump in Nevada. Super fun riding for adventure bikes or, you know, large dual sport bikes. Um, real easy, nothing too technical for most riders. And another thing Spencer has working on is something called the Dirt Circus. Can you explain what a Dirt Circus is? Uh, a Dirt Circus is a large gathering of dirt bikes and adventure bikes in a specific place. Uh, this year we're doing it in uh, Moab, Utah. Cool. So is it only adventure bikes? or No, we're doing uh, everything from two-strokes to large 1,200cc adventure bikes. It's kind of like we, a lot of the people that are coming are bringing their adventure bike and their dirt bike, spend a day riding the gnarly stuff, spend a day going to do the scenic stuff. Um, but that's coming up at the end of March in, in Utah. Where would someone go to find out about that? Uh, TheDirtCircus.com or the Dirt Circus on Facebook or at the Dirt Circus on Instagrams. Now I'm going I'm to put you on the spot here. Did you watch my video on how I modified my 1090? Uh, the dirt bike test one? Yeah. I watched some of it. Some of it. You, you got bored like everybody else. I'm, I'm watching the engagement here just no, fall off. I, <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, this is 1090. I've seen Jimmy's 1090 in person, you know. Yeah. So I was just going to say, so you have a 1090 out here. That's what you rode up on. I did, yeah. So let's let's argue about it. Like, let's argue. So, so well, I, I, we have I, the same fuel map on it. So yeah, they're yeah. almost the same. No, I've, 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 I've started messing with mine again. Oh, really? I actually need to throw it on a dyno because yeah. that, that, okay, so I'm totally a geek like that and, yeah, yeah. and, and the fuel, fuel mapping and stuff. And I need, I want to put like the, the optimizer on it to see what it's like or run it on a dyno to, to get right. it. Because I know there's some spots in there. Because instead of just being a 4x4 four four grid or a 10x10 10 10 grid, I think that one's like, it's a million by a million yeah. grid and you can change so much stuff. And, and, I think it's like a little overwhelming for a lot of people, but that that you know mapping those bikes for me was huge, especially when I went with Rottweiler, Rottweiler intake. Mm -hmm. um, it it definitely needs to be done. It makes a makes a big difference. But uh, I went and did a gear check on your bike, and we are running a lot of the a lot of the same same things. So I was gonna I was gonna try to pin you down on some of the things that are different, but they were actually pretty much similar so i think there's a there's a direction that people go with with you know with your adventure bike and some of it's okay there's a there's a i mean for me it's a real distinct reason for some of the stuff and then a lot of times i'm testing stuff so it's kind of bouncing back and forth yeah but uh um i think a, a lot of things with the those bikes is there's it's clear what needs to be addressed like a lot of things are obvious right yeah. you know like we both have camel tanks on our bike because gas tank's just a little bit too small it's not quite there and it's so it drives you crazy but the camel tank's like a good solution because it, it gets you over that 200 mile hump. and you you have another you have a roto pack on yours right no that's that's not a back i saw i, I saw something red sitting back there i thought it was oh, a roto pack. Uh, my wolfman tool bag got it okay yeah so yeah and like and for some places like you're back east you don't you don't have gas situations like we do here here there's places that we do that are sections that are 240 miles so along with the oh, camel yeah. tank and stuff we're packing an extra gallon with us just for safety yeah so um yeah it's kind of it's kind of neat um to be able to do that stuff so what we're talking about is a video you can go find it on dirt bike test we i did kind of a, a really short one and then a long form one where i explained some of the mods that i've done on 
on my bike. Um, you can go over to KTM Twins. I think you can buy like 80% of the stuff that I have on my bike at KTM Twins. Correct. And uh, they're kind of like the one stop. I learned about KTM tw Twins back when I was doing a KTM 950, and I needed to get some real specific parts, and they were hard to find. And it's funny, I went there, and they had them packed together, like O-rings for the, the carburetor, yeah. like stuff that you couldn't you couldn't get, and you needed to talk to somebody knowledgeable about it. Mm -hmm. And it was it, at that time, the 950 was kind of like this quirky niche thing, and they grasped onto it and did yeah. a really good job. So um, big fan of uh, what they do over there. I haven't, I haven't been doing much stuff cause, with them lately just because I haven't been... Uh, doing much stuff, I've just I got that bike to where it's at, and now I'm kind of happy with it. So now I'm back onto the onto the small bikes and stuff. Yeah. So, and now you're just waiting for the 790 then. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, Have you, you ridden and one? Me and everyone. No. You ridden one? Yeah. I don't I know. A, I put a picture up on uh, a blog post I did for KTM Twins today. Yeah. Of you sitting on the 790. I took that picture. Of you oh, I was gonna say it was KTM a picture. Ride. I thought it was a picture of me riding it. I'm like, how'd you get that? <laughs> so. Have you ridden one? Uh, I'm not really. I can't really sure about. It. But I, I talk to you know people are always asking me about it, and I just say just buy one. You know, it's, yeah. it's kind of the same thing. Like people say, I want to get a dirt bike, and they go, what should I get? And I, I don't know anything about you. And I'm just gonna go KTM 500. <laughs> Wait, I was a Yamaha guy when I started this podcast. I was so Yamaha. Uh, no. Now I'm right back to KTM. Yeah. World. So, um, yes, just change it the, the drop of a hat, no problem. Um, so thanks, Spencer, for swinging by. Um, he, uh, and his buddy, he brought his buddy, and that's why the connection's not dropping. So now we're going to have to have to drill some holes in the thing, or he's going to have to come every week and bring his phone so we can use... Kara, uh, Robbie's going to have to come every yeah. week now. Yeah, so with, just, with his phone. Just, just so you know. Yeah. So uh, awesome. So that's uh, that's. I'm gonna run through my last little bit of questions. Um, see if we got anything new here. Let's see. Uh, people are using diesel to clean their air filters. Um, somebody's telling me it's great out at Jawbone. Yeah, that's where I, I ride all the time. Jawbone Canyon. Do some hill climbs, George. The big one. You look up and the, there's a green rock at the top. That's my line. Uh, Let's see, are magazines done and podcasts in? Well, Transworld Magazine bit the dust a couple weeks ago. No fault of uh, the guys that were there running. It was more of a fault of the publishing company. And so that's one more uh, axe in the grave, uh, uh, a knife in the stomach, I don't know, whatever it's called. But um, I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't think printing is all that uh, viable anymore. Uh, dirt bike and motocross action are still around kicking strong. Um, doing what they've done since 1973, I think. Uh, but um, you're seeing what's happening with print podcasts. I don't know. Um, it's definitely the current thing right now. Everybody's doing a podcast. Uh, and then I think it's just more interactive. I mean, wouldn't you like to be able to talk to the magazine editor you know, you used to have to do it by writing a letter and then you could send an email, but this is a little bit more interactive. So I think there's something to this, um, where it goes and how it gets monetized and how it grows is, that's going to be the question. Um, let's see. I like the podcast and I can say tequila. I can say, te you know what, uh, Victor, I can say popsicle. You know why? Because you have some of the best popsicles I've ever had before. Uh, Victor came out to King of the Motos, King of the Hammers, and that's where I met him uh, through a friend, Eric Kudla, and he brought these um, 
in the little cart with the little bells. No, he didn't have the cart there. He had a cooler. But uh, those kind of popsicles, and super, super good. Uh, nice guy to bump into. Okay, last question. 450X, WR450 or 450FX. Last year, without question, I would have said 450FX. I didn't see a place for the WR450. This year, if you want to do more trail riding, um, I think Yamaha has a better suspension setting on the WR, and if you're more trail than want to go fast and race, I think the WR is going to have a place. I'll answer that question more when we get the bike to test a little bit longer because I'm really curious about the competition ECU because that could take that bike into FX power and speed levels and then allow you to do uh, different modifications. Uh, connection is spectacular. Yep. Uh, talked about the different type of materials used for brake pads, pros and cons. Wow, we actually go search search brakes on dirt bike test. I know we actually tested, and I'm gonna get. I'm, we tested um, some AP brakes, brake pads, which frankly were amazing. Uh, this was like a couple years ago. We went stock with KTM and some APs, and I've always really liked Galfer. Um, brake pads and rotors because they just they seem like they add i would say 10 percent more feel in my experience the ap ones were actually pretty strong and a little maybe a little bit bitey but it depends on the bike and it depends on the conditions and the funny thing is is every once in a while i see people that are using like those red ebc brake pads and they're for people that drag brakes and they're made not to overheat and then I wonder, like, do you know what kind of pads those are? Well, they got them cheap. And not that the, the, the regular UBC ones are fine. Those are specific use things, and I see them on regular bike. Do you drag your brake and overheat it a lot? And So uh, there are a lot of different options in brake pads. And in my world, I would never, when I was racing, um, I always wanted to make sure I could not only out accelerate somebody, but more importantly, out brake them. And I spent a lot of times testing. And when I was racing, I actually was sponsored by braking and they made really good stuff uh, as well. So there's a lot of different options out there, you know, going to oversize and things like that. But pads are definitely, they're inexpensive for the performance gains you can get out of a bike in my world. Um, dirt bike mag rock great reading wall in the reading room in the morning hey mark i'm going to tell you one thing when i was writing my column i just wanted to be able to get you through one bowel movement that was my goal uh yeah that's that's uh yeah uh let's see nice shirt jimmy saw them in 85 with the dks hey chris haltner you made me famous bro um, and, and, and oh, so Chris Holtner, um, better known as the Beeve, was the staff photographer of a lot of the high torque magazines back in my uh, cover glory heydays. Um, I don't even know what years. I want to say late 80s, early 90s. Uh, and uh, Chris, they, man, they did a cool thing on you. It was at Pulp MX. I think uh, Pulp MX did a really cool feature story on your images and the stories behind those. So. If somebody's looking for someplace else to go waste time on the internets, uh, check out the feature on Chris Holtner on Pulp MX. And let's see. Uh, I think we're going to go ahead and roll these things up. Um, 
Uh, I have not used the SRT brake pads, but I definitely like to try them and stuff like that. Uh, oh, yeah, change fluids in your... Yeah, that's important. It, that stuff sucks up water and it wears out and you can get a boost. Actually, just by bleeding the brakes uh, often makes a big time. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, this has been uh, Taco Tuesday Tech Talk number three. It looks like we're on path to do number four. We just got to figure out how to get the internet connections better. If you have questions, comments, concerns, whatever, uh, leave them in the comments here. As you know by now, um, a lot of times we post these things up on our YouTube channel. We edit them down so you don't see me eating my tacos before the podcast. And then there's less dropouts, but we are good this time. So we're uh, taking it one step at a time. I'd like to thank Climb for supporting Dirt Bike Test from day one. And uh, we look for a long uh, continued relationship with those guys. Uh, like I said, if you're looking for especially cold weather stuff, uh, look no farther than Climb. And I will catch you all out on the trail. See ya.